integrated science of the absolute preliminaries chapter 29 continuation great possibilities of interdisciplinary structuralism when we think of the world of ideologies instead of politics we can give the following examples existentialism refers to a current vogue in the world of ideologies many books have been written on this subject some of which are still within the pale of christian thought while others are uncompromisingly skeptical and even atheistic the varieties of existentialism whether orthodox or heterodox may have many divisions but they are all recognizable as presenting a common front against all those who belong structurally to the side of essence rather than existence essence and existence therefore must belong to opposite poles in the minds of these rival groups this is a structural secret which should be kept in mind by the reader who is obliged to wade through a large variety of arguments and counter arguments between these schools of thought doing this helps him to appraise the overall nature of the chief bone of contention between them the same holds true if we take the rival terms so exaggerated and distorted out of all proportion in modern times as the difference between democracy and communism although from their dictionary meanings no great disparity intervenes between the corresponding ideologies behind these terms this is because horizontal interests prevail over the vertical atheists and believers can be fixed into this same absolutist context as also what is nicknamed the free world and its opposite imagined frontier existing behind some iron curtain or the like overall structuralism helps to abolish many of these frontiers besides helping in the course of human solidarity there are other perhaps vaguer advantages of structuralism such as potency power or beauty as instruments of future research referred to already by bergson greek drama by recognizing and respecting the three unities of time place and action only recognized this same structural way with much advantage in its great tragedies it becomes evident that structuralism is an all important matter in respect even in everyday abstract thinking when we say for example that a heavy man sat on an abstract chair this structure is violated the fourfold epistemological distinction implied in the principle of the quaternion in the heart of reality is not respected here the mandukya upanishad also recognized these fourfold structural features to take another example from india we believe that without the age of structuralism the intricacies found in works like shankara's bhashya commentary on the brahma sutras cannot be even approximately followed 
On this point of structuralism found in Indian philosophy, the reader is referred to the author's translation and commentary of the Bhagavad Gita, where this subject is gone into in great detail. If a professor speaking of Plato's theory of art compares it with Aristotle's theory, showing how the first is an imitation of an imitation and the second is just an imitation of nature, this distinction with all its implications will not be clear to his students unless they have a common frame of reference into which both these theories can be fitted. Likewise, notions such as the general good and the good of all cannot be clearly distinguished without a similar frame of reference, whether in ethics or economics. The surplus value theory of Marx is also another troublesome matter to clarify. Even subjects such as semantics, syntactics and semiosis involve the same horizontal and vertical correlation. An actual, virtual, conceptual or nominal chair with four persons of corresponding status who can only sit on the corresponding chair and thus do not violate the epistemology involved is the essence of the same structuralism we have tried to outline. If an actual heavy man sits on a nominalistic chair, the resultant situation can only be at best considered a joke or an absurdity. Eddington has written something along these lines as follows. Quotation. Let us first notice that the phrase chairs we sit upon adds nothing to the term chair. For what sits on the chair is the body. And if we have to discriminate the scientific chair, that is the object, not really a chair, which the physicist describes, from the familiar chair we must also discriminate the scientific body, that is not really a body, which the physicist describes from the familiar body. So when we sit on a chair, the familiar body sits on a familiar chair and the scientific body sits on a scientific chair. And if there is an abstract body, it doubtless performs an abstraction of sitting on an abstract chair. The fourfold structure has thus to be respected at every step in common life if absurd situations or major disasters are to be avoided. The structural value world to which a wife naturally belongs has to be abstracted and understood by the husband if they are to have a happy marriage. Structuralism thus enters into everyday life in ways too numerous to mention, helping us both to live and let live. To sum up the greatest scientific validity or use of structuralism consists in the fact that when recognized as necessarily underlying different disciplines of human knowledge, it can unite all of them as a science of all sciences with a common methodology, epistemology and axiology, belonging to all or each of them at once. The plan of the present work, when further explained, will reveal this important principle. Before going into details of the plan of this work, it would not be out of place here to sum up the position envisaged by a representative man of science in respect of the universe and human progress in general. 
instead of attempting to state this in our own words, we have a more authoritative estimate from the pen of a contemporary front-rank scientific thinker. According to Werner Heisenberg, the sciences of nature are to be looked upon as parts of reciprocal actions between nature and man. This German Nobel Prize laureate in physics, responsible for his famous principles of indeterminacy in 1927 and of the unitary theory of particles generalizing cause and effect, said that at each instant the universe chooses between all that is possible and the most simple of the possible. In his article to the Planete, 1962, he wrote, For the first time in the course of history, man finds himself alone with himself. Hitherto, the science of nature interested itself in an objective world to which man had to adapt himself. Today we live in a world totally transformed by man. For the natural sciences, the subject of research is no more nature as such, but nature as given to human interrogation, and to this extent, man again does not face here anything but himself. Further, Heisenberg points out that in science, it is important to see the cohesion of the great ensemble, wholesale totality, and details only help to enhance the vision of the whole. In the course of the developments which took place during the last 50 years, the aim has always been the same, the grand ensemble of natural laws. Regarding the scientific validity of conceptual systems, which have been elaborated specially in the science of electricity, he underlines their universal scientific validity as follows, quotation, the term definite as applied to the exact science of nature signifies evidently, therefore, that there exist systems of concepts and of laws which form a closed totality and which are mathematically capable of formulation. It is valid for certain domains of experience. For these domains, they have a universal validity and are susceptible neither to transformations nor modifications." End of quote. Heisenberg adds further, however, that there is an internal contradiction and an auto-illusion involved in the faith of certain scientists who say that there is here a knowledge founded on science rather than on faith. He states the enigma involved boldly and the paradox is fully confronted by him when he states, quote, This signifies that the image of the universe, according to the sciences of nature, ceases to be, properly speaking, the image of the universe, according to the sciences of nature. Heisenberg sums up the blind alley which faces modern man as follows. We find ourselves firstly alone with ourselves. The hope of a progress that is sure by means of the increase of man's material and spiritual power finds within the situation itself a limit. Although only a glimpse of it is given to us, 
The dangers are at least as great as the wave of optimism which it draws behind it to believe that this progress would break itself forcefully on this limit. By this apparently unlimited growth of material power, humanity finds itself in the situation of a captain whose boat is constructed with such a great quantity of steel and iron that the turning of his compass, instead of indicating the north, does not orient itself except towards the mass of iron of the boat." End of quote. Although relying on an analogy, Heisenberg is not without a knowledge of the twofold structural implications of space here as seen from his concluding words. Quotation, the space in which man develops himself as a spiritual being has more dimensions than that in which alone during the last centuries his activity has been deployed.